This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good evening everyone. Shalom Aleichem, We're continuing our shiurim on Sefer. Actually, we're beginning our shiurim on Sefer Devarim. And we thank Dr. Zakem Umeshpachta, who once again are generously sponsoring the shiurim. Lila Nishmas of Shalom Eliezer ben Rabbi Yaakov Zakem. And Lila Nishmas, Dr. Zakem's mother, Rivka Bas Tuvya Halevi, Beganeden Tehim Nuchasam. They should be Melitza Yisharm for their whole family. Ad Bias Goel Tzedek. Tonight's year is sponsored by Mrs. Yehudus Herman of Yushalayim in honor of her upcoming birthday on Dalit Av. HaKadosh Baruch should be Mavarichur with good health. Arich HaSiyam Vishanim to see Nachas the from all her children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Ad Bias Goel Tzedek. Okay. We have a very important uh, subject tonight. We know we're now uh, within not only the three weeks, but the uh, nine days. If anybody wants to get their safer on the three weeks, The Darkness and the Dawn, it is available um, at better bookstores everywhere. We're going to speak tonight about a subject relevant to the Holocaust, to the three weeks in general, and to a very misunderstood misquoted, abused concept, and that is the, the subject of Das Torah. We hear there's something called Das Torah. We know that aside from the Halacha, there is a concept that if great Torah sages have a certain opinion, even if we can't necessarily pinpoint what the source is, that has a certain legal standing and, and it's binding to a certain extent. The question is, what's the basis for such a view? Uh, we're now coming upon the 10th yard side, we just passed the 10th yard side of Rabbi Yosef Shalom El Yashiv, who was one of the greatest Paiskim um, post-World uh, War II. Rabbi Yosef Shalom El Yashiv, uh, Baruch Hashem, I had the zuchus to uh, meet him one time in my lifetime. I remember when I was a bachar learning in yeshiva, so we went uh, just to see Rabbi Yashiv, and I remember there were a few people crowding around him. One guy was showing him cornflakes. One guy was showing him parshias of, of mezuzah. Another guy was showing him uh, halacha taras hamashpacha. So he's bombarded from, you know, all types from kala tairakula. And uh, I, I feel very fortunate to have seen him. So I want to explore a little bit, and this is based on an article that I saw many years ago from uh, Rabbi Yosef Gabriel Bechafer. And then, uh, and some letters that Rabbi Yashiv wrote that were printed later in the Koivetz Mavakshe Taira. And I think it will give us a little bit of a picture of, to some extent, on our meager level to understand the thought process of Rabbi Yashiv when it comes to Piskei Halacha and to try to glean a little bit what is this elusive concept of Das Taira. Let's begin with the Tshuva. This Tshuva is dated Yud Gimel Sivan Tavshin Mem Hei. 1985, the 13th day of Sivan, and the question was addressed to Rabbi Yashiv from none other than Harav HaTzadik, HaMeforsam, Kavir Hamas, Verav HaPa'olim, the Kalavar Rebbe. Okay, so the Kalavar Rebbe is asking a shayla to Rabbi Yashiv. We recently had this chus to have the son of the Kalavar Rebbe in our, of the Kalavar Rebbe in our shul. This was a question addressed to 
Rabbi Yashiv from the Admar of Kalav. And the suggestion of the Kalabar Rebbe was, Kalabar Rebbe was a Holocaust survivor, and the suffering of the, those who perished in the, in the Holocaust always reverberated in his soul. He could never uh, forget these, uh, the six million. Their cry always rang in his ears. He could never divert his attention from thinking about their plight. He cannot be Mesiach Das from them, from their cry that their blood is screaming from the ground. And therefore his suggestion was that he proposed that all Jewish people at the end of the tefillah should accept upon themselves the Oyo Malchus by saying the Pasuk, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekenu Hashem Rechad, after Oleinu Shabayach, and they should be mechavein to be miyachid with the, the six million. They should mechavein to like show solidarity to the six million who were burnt on the uh, fires in the, during the Shoah. And this was the proposal of the Kalabar Rebbe. At the end of Aleinu Shabach, some in the Siddur anyway, in many sermon has the Pasuk Shema Yisrael. All Jews should recite Shema Yisrael. They should have in mind that they're unifying with the Kedoshim. And this was the proposal to Rebbe Yashav as a way of Kal Yisrael memorializing the, the six million. And the Kal Rebbe pleaded uh, with Rebbe Yashav, you know, please share your opinion on this proposal. And uh, Rebbe Yashav said, well, you know, you're asking my opinion. I wasn't going to say anything. But now that you're asking me, he said, you should know that after the Shoah, the Chachamim, the Gedolim of the time, gathered together, uh, contemplating establishing a f- public fast day to mourn the loss of the Kedoshim. And it is well known that the Chazoynish greatly opposed it. He opposed it with great vehemence. Chazanish said it was wrong to do so. Why? And he, he enunciated the following idea. Our generation is not worthy to establish anything. We are not qualified to make an enactment. For our generation, the operating principle is hashtika. Silence is best. Silence means don't talk, don't do, don't enact, don't legislate. We're not qualified. So that's the first point. The first point is, the Chazoyner said, we are not qualified to make calendar dates. We are not qualified to make prayers. We are not qualified to do anything. And number two, says Rebbe Yashav, with all due respect, Rebbe, I don't know what you're talking about to be united with the Kedoshim. What sources there in Chazal that you should unite with people who perished. There's no basis for that. And if there's no basis for that, you're not allowed to do it. Now, you might ask, well, where does it say you're not allowed to do it? It's a nice, it seems like a good idea. Does it say somewhere you're not allowed to do it? So we see from Rabbi Yashiv that sentiment is not an adequate basis for policy. The fact that you feel something is not a legitimate reason to make a legislation. Even if it, the policy doesn't clash with halacha. So the question is not, well, what's wrong? Why can't I do it? What's wrong? The question is, where is it sourced that you should do it? And if it's not sourced, 
then you're not allowed to. You know, there are many, there are many times where there are contemporary issues. Well, where does it say that women can't? Or where does it say that this should not be done? That's not the correct perspective in halacha. The perspective is not where does it say that you can't. The perspective is that if you don't have basis in chazal that this should be done, then you're not allowed to do it. That's the way Jewish practice works. It's not enough, where does it say I can't do it? It's what is the source in chazal? And therefore, says Rabbi Yashem, in my opinion, let's strengthen what Jews are already doing after tefillah, namely, to learn Mishnah Yisraeli Nishmas Kedoshim, that have no remnant, and may the Master of Mercy conceal them in the shade of His wings for eternity. So from this tshuva, Rabbi Yashem, we see a very important principle, that in Jewish practice, in order to establish something, it's not enough that there's no prohibition If it's not found in Chazal, you may not do it. You cannot legislate policy based on feeling. Even if there's nothing wrong. Even if there's no halacha that says you're not allowed to do it. If there is no source in Chazal, you cannot do it. Sure. So, how do we implement Tefillah L'Shlom Medina in the middle of Dalmi, Mashabas? I can't speak on behalf of any particular institution, and I'm not employed by this institution, but the same thing would go for, for uh, something like that, which is the primary reason, let's say, that the Chazonish also opposed that prayer as well. What was the call for What was the Kalava Rebbe thinking? The Kalava Rebbe was a great Admar, but Rebbe Yashiv was the preeminent Paisik. He must have had a base there, something. Now, I would humbly suggest that I think I can find some basis for. Um, the notion, in other words, let, let's try to analyze this. Kalvarebbe says he's proposing that that we should all say Shema and be miyached with the Kedoshim. Like, what in the world does that mean? Does it mean solidarity? Is there some mystical concept here? And I believe he is, uh, he is referring to a mystical concept. And I want to share with you what it is. And it's actually a very powerful concept. And then we're going to have to go back to explain Rebel Yashif. There's an amazing Gemara in Chulan. The Gemara says, Yisrael Zayin Amadbe, it's not in Yeshit. I just thought of it tonight preparing this year. Yisrael Kedoshim Jews are holy. Yesh Roit Sev Ein Some people, they want to give a million bucks, they don't have money. Right? You have people, they have a good heart, they don't have the resources. Some people have Ve'ein and they don't want. So you have two kinds of people. But all Jews are holy. There's some people who want, but they don't have. Now, that I understand why they're holy. They want to give, they just don't have. And some Jews have, and they don't want. So how are they holy? <laughs> they have money, and they don't want to give. So presumably they're not giving. So how are, the, how are Jews who have and don't want, how are they holy? So Toysus asks, 
Why are they holy? It says, They're still called holy. They do invite their friend. To eat by them. Because they're embarrassed not to. So they have. They give, but they really don't want to. So, the Slana Mareba in a sefer on the Holocaust called Kuntras HaHaruga Alecha, he's, he quotes the question of the Rebbe Rabzusha. You ever hear the Rebbe Rabzusha? He was one of the early Hasidic masters. The Rebbe Rabzusha asked on Toysus, says, I understand the one who wants to give and he can't give, he's called Kadosh because he wants to. But the one who has and he doesn't want to, so I understand that Toysus says, that he gives out of embarrassment. But ask the Rebbe of Zusha, who cares if he gives? If his whole giving is out of embarrassment, Goyim also give out of embarrassment. Why would this person be called holy? So the Rebbe of Zusha offered the following major uh, revelation. The Jewish people are one entity. And if we're one entity, as an entity we offer to God perfect mitzvahs. Now there are two parts of a mitzvah. There's the body of the mitzvah and there's the soul of the mitzvah. The body of the mitzvah is giving. The soul of the mitzvah is wanting to give. Some Jews provide the body and some Jews provide the soul. So the Jew that gives, even though he doesn't want to give out of embarrassment, is he holy? Or wait, wait a second. He's providing the Jewish people with the body of the mitzvah. And the Jews that wish they could give but can't, they're providing the soul of the mitzvah. And together as one entity, Yisrael Kedoshim Him. Okay? So, in other words, the Jew that gives, even though he doesn't want to, he's doing something. He's providing the body, and those who really want it, they're providing the soul. The Son of Rebbe extended this further. He extended this to the principle of sanctifying Hashem's name. He says, in the Holocaust, there were many Jews, they were killed. Yes, they were killed because they were Jewish, but they didn't necessarily even know they were Jewish. They didn't necessarily even want to be Jewish. And if Hitler would have given them a choice to renounce their Judaism, they would have happily renounced Judaism to save their skin. You had Jews who renounced their Judaism and didn't want to be Jews. But Hitler tracked them down and tracked down their lineage and killed them anyway. So did those Jews die al Kiddush Hashem? Says the Son of they died. That was the act. That was the body. There were Jews who said, God, I wish you would take my soul. And they survived. And they provided the soul of the mitzvah. And the combination of the act of certain Jews that died, maybe they didn't even want to, and they, didn't, they, they did it kicking and screaming, and they, they didn't even appreciate that they were Jewish. That's the body of the mitzvah. And the Jews that wanted to, that's the soul of the mitzvah. And the Salon Merebbe develops this idea that when you say Kriya Shema, where the Kavana is supposed to be, that you, if ever put to the ultimate test, you would give up your life, Al-Kiddush Hashem, you should have in mind that your thoughts should join up with those Jews who are actually killed, so you're providing the soul of the mitzvah to those Jews who actually sacrificed their life. 
So I, I believe that what the Kalavareva means, that you should say Shema and then be Miyached with the Kedoshim, is they physically gave up your, their life. You should provide the Ratzayin to give up your life. And together, it sort of fuses a beautiful mitzvah before Hashem. That's what I think the Kalavareva means. But what Rabbi Yashav is saying is, it's a nice idea, it's a nice thought, it's a nice machshava. Actually, the Salaam Rebbe brings down that the Rebbe of Zusha had a dream. And Toysvis himself came to the Rebbe of Zusha and explained to the Rebbe of Zusha what I mean that a Jew that gives, even though he doesn't want to, out of embarrassment, what I mean that he's holy, is he's holy together with the Jew who wants it. And the Baal Toysus actually appeared to the Rebbe of Zush in a dream and explained what his kavana was. And I'm sure Rebbe Yashiv knew that. But that's still not what is considered an uh, idea found in Chazal that we're going to legislate practice based on that. It's a nice thought, it's a nice idea, it may even be true. We will not legislate practice based on that. In order to legislate practice, it must be sourced in the words of Chazal. That's the first idea. I want to share with you another tshuva. Take a look in number two. This is Krach Aleph of the Tshuvas of Rebbe Yashav Koivetz Tshuvas Simen Koflamet. This is regarding the following Shaya. You had um, people who perished in the Holocaust they were never brought to Kuras Yisrael. We don't even know where they're buried. So let's now, the proposal was, to erect a monument in the cemetery. Uh, this commemorates the fall of the city of Pliny Almighty um, in memory of the uh, 50,000 Jews that perished in the city to have a memorial for, for Jews who perished in the Holocaust. Are you allowed to do that? Why not? What could be wrong with making a memorial? So Rabbi Yashiv looks at the question as follows. In Yaradeh and Sim Kofayin Ches, we know there's a principle. We cannot walk in the ways of Goyim, and we cannot be similar to them. You know, that's very vague. So now what? and breathe. Right? Gentiles drink water. They wear clothing. Actually, they don't. But, you know, what exactly are you now to do? So, the Ramah says, it's only prohibited to do things that Gentiles do if they do it out of lewd, immodest behavior. Or, they do it as a, a rule without a, a logic to it. For example, you're about to go to the store and um, a black cat passes your path. You come back, you go, Yanko, what are you doing back? I told you to go get me a thing of milk. I can't go. A black cat crossed my path. Now, why do Goyim think that if a black cat crosses your path, you can't go to the store? No reason. It's superstitious. It is forbidden not to do something because the black cat. If that is called following the ways of God, you're over a lav in the Torah. What? 
Oh, it's pouring outside. Why don't you open the umbrella in the house and this way you won't get wet? No, you can't open an umbrella in the house. What's going to happen if you open the umbrella in the house? No, it's usher to open an umbrella in the house. No, goyim, don't open it because it's superstitious. Now if the reason you're not doing it is because you're going to break the chandelier, that we understand. But if you, have a, if you have a chandelier up on the ceiling and a big doorway, and this way you're going to keep dry, it is a lav de iraisa not... To, not to open the umbrella. Or there's a ladder. <laughs> By the Goyim, the biggest Avera in the world, after, you know, Woke, and other PC, is you can't walk under a ladder. Now if it's a rickety ladder, I understand you shouldn't walk under. If it's a regular ladder, what's, why can't you walk under the ladder? So, the Ramah says, what things are you not allowed to do that Goyim do, either if it's Pritzus, or if it's what we call milsa belitam, something that has no logic to it. So says Rabbi Yashev, to make a monument, it's not pritzos, and it's not illogical, there's a certain reason, you want to have a monument to remember something that happened. So, at first glance, it would not be prohibited. However, the Vilna Goyen writes, and he disagrees with Ramah, and the Gura writes, anything that Goyim do, we cannot copy them. If they innovated it, then we cannot copy them. So when it comes to drinking water, Goyim didn't innovate drinking water. It's the basic human need. Clothing is a basic human need. Any human practice you're allowed to do. But if Gentiles innovate, and we know that, says so Rabbi Goyim are very into monuments. You know, you take the, the curtain and you're covering the monument and everyone gathers there. And then somebody comes and he whips off the... And everyone goes, ooh, ah, ooh, right? And there's a certain amount of oohs you have to make and a certain amount of ahs you have to make. So that's... This is a Gentile practice. So according to the Goyen, this would be prohibited. However, says Rebel Yashem, not so fast, because if we could prove that we innovated it, then even the Vilna Gaon would say it's permitted. And we do find in Tanakh, we find that Avshalom, who didn't have children, he made a monument for himself. So we see that this is a concept that is rooted in our practice, not only the practice of the Gentiles. So Rabbi Yashif says that maybe at first glance this would be permitted. However, there's another issue. The issue is who owns the cemetery. The Shilte Giboyim writes, a cemetery of a city is like a Beis HaKnesas. It's owned by the community, and it is prohibited for anyone to benefit from it in any way. It is dedicated solely for the burial of the dead, and it is prohibited to make anything there. You can't build an ice cream store there, you can't build uh, um, anything. It belongs to the community dedicated for burial. And the Chassam Seifer holds like the Shilte Gibarim. And accordingly, says Rabbi Yashif, it would be prohibited to make a monument over there. However, this opinion of the Shilte Gibarim is not unanimous. If you look in the Marsham, he quotes the Magen Avram, that a cemetery is not also to get benefit from. And the only things you're now to do in a cemetery are those things that are disparaging to the Mason. So you can't play shuffleboard in the cemetery. But you want to make a, ma- a monument, and I don't think, says Rabbi Yosha, that's not disparaging to the Mesim. Was a matzeva for uh, an individual, not, not as a group or anything like that? But no, an individual is okay. Uh, you mean if he's not buried there? No, 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 if he's buried there. No, so that's what a cemetery is. Matzeva 
is already um, is a Jewish um, a Jewish custom. It's something which is needed by the mace. The mace gets a certain benefit from the matzah. That's for sure. Okay, but they have a monument for people who perish, and you don't know where they're buried. So, so one issue is: is this Gentile practice? It's questionable if it's Gentile practice. It could be it is, but it could be we already find the concept in the Torah, um, Matseva, namely Avshalim. But then another issue is, who owns the cemetery? There's a, there are some Achorinim say the cemetery is dedicated only for the Mesim. Others say, no, only a disparaging thing you're now to do there. But now listen to what Rebel Yashiv says. Says Rebel Yashiv, even though on a halachic, in a halachic realm, there may be basis to allow a monument. That's Din Torah. But Das Torah ain't Ruach HaChomim Noichamizah. The spirit of the sages don't, don't, doesn't take pleasure from this. In other words, you're right. Maybe you can't point chapter and, and verse and say, oh, this halacha forbids it. But the spirit of the law is not pleased with this practice. So what does it mean, the spirit of the law? What is that supposed to mean? If there's no technical prohibition from any sif in Shulchan Arach that you're now to do this, so what does it mean the spirit of the law doesn't allow it? What, what exactly, what is, what is this concept of the spirit of the law? Apparently what Rabbi Yashav means is that if someone masters the entire corpus of the law, all the halachas in Shulchan Arach, so even though you can point and say, this halacha says you can't do it, or that halacha says you can't do it, but someone who has a sensitivity and, and is in tune with the spirit of all halacha, they could sort of have a, a sixth sense and say, you know what, this is not something that halacha in general would condone or endorse. We're, we don't, we don't, this is not something which fits the general approach of halacha. So you can't point and say, well, in the 17th chapter, and the 6th halacha, it says there you're now to do this, but someone familiar with the entire, someone who has a sensitivity to all halacha, they're going to recognize, you know, this is a, there's something here that it's, does not fit the regular um, mode of what halacha dictates. So the, so the Holocaust Museum or Memorial Center, these type of places, is not a, not a proper thing? Or? It's proper for people who, uh, again, r- w- to make a monument, just a monument for people who perished in the Holocaust? Yeah, they have that. Rabbi Yashiv is saying, it's not against the Halacha, but it's not something that the Chachamim are pleased with. He says Rabbi Yashiv, it's therefore better that if you want to memorialize people perishing in the Holocaust, you should advise families that instead of making a monument, they should dedicate something that the living will benefit from. For example, a menorah in the shul, a ner tamad in the shul, svarim in the shul, because it is not within the spirit of Jewish tradition just to do something for dead people. Yeah, but, the, but the concept is so as not to forget. 
right? It, it's, not, it's not so much for the dead people as it is for the people that are living today to make sure that they don't forget, the world doesn't, you know, that they don't forget. So what Rabbi Yosh is saying, and he's saying it's not, it's not prohibited. Right. It's not a bad thing. It's not someone familiar with, with the spirit of the law will have a sensitivity that this is not uh, normative Jewish practice. And, they, and better to, to dedicate something that the living, you want to remember the Kedoshim? Do so by dedicating something that the living will benefit from and will be an Eloi for their neshama. So is there anything wrong if Gentiles make a Holocaust museum? No, it's a, it's a good thing. Is there, should there be like a monument in a shul for Holocaust survivors? Rebel Yashav saying, if you would ask me, I would say, better that you dedicate a, a nara that the living benefit from, or svarim, or something that the living uh, uh, gain from. But just a monument, or a memorial, or flowers? Lefi das Torah, ein ruach hachamim noichamiza. It's something that those who are sensitive to the spirit of the law, they would have an intuition, this is not what is recommended. So we see there's something, there's, there's the strict legal technical requirements or prohibitions, and then there's a certain das of the Torah, where a person should be sensitive, okay, is what I'm doing also within the expectations of, of those who, who are sensitive to the spirit of the law. I want to share with you one more issue. And this is a, a fascinating uh, subject. This, uh, this issue appeared in a uh, Torah journal called Mavakshe Torah, Koivetz Mavakshe Torah. And it was a letter that Rebbe Yashiv wrote on Zion Tamos Tavshin Memhei, a month after he wrote the tshuva regarding... Um, in response to the Kalva Rebbe, whether you should say Shema Yisrael after davening. So, if I were to ask, Rabbi Yosef says, saying Shema after davening to remember the Kedoshim? Eh, bad idea. Making a monument in the cemetery for Holocaust survivors? Eh, bad idea. What's wrong with saying Shema? In our generation, we're not capable of legislation. So they asked Rebbe Yashav the following Shalah, I want to ask you, what would you think Rebbe Yashav said? This is a month after Rebbe Yashav responded to the call of a Rebbe. Now, is there anything wrong with saying Shema? If I wanted to say Shema after davening, could I? Why not? It's Torah. It's a Pasuk and Chum. What, what could be wrong with telling people, everyone let's get together and say a Pasuk and Chumash? No, Rebbe Yashav said you can't do that. So they asked Rebbe Yashav, and it was, brought, it was brought up, you know, can we legislate to say certain prayers, let's say? Isn't that like saying Shira Malos at the end of davening? Or, you know, that, you know, again. So again, nobody ever legislated that you should, that after every single tefillah, every shul should say Shemas. If someone happens to be sick, you're allowed to daven for someone who's sick. You know, Baruch Hashem, we don't say it every single day. They asked Rebbe Yashif, on the ninth day of Sivan, um, Rabbi Yosef got the following letter and he responded as follows. 
Tishabav is coming up. We mourn many tragedies on Tishabav. Some great Rabbanim composed Kinos to recite on Tishabav. As we know, you look in the Yard Scroll, Kinos, you have a Kina from Rabbi Schwab, the Baba Varaba, others. So they asked Rabbi Yashiv, is this a good idea? To recite a Kina to commemorate those who perished in the Holocaust. What would you think Rabbi Yashiv said? What would you think? Based on what we learned so far? No, we can't legislate. No, you can't do it. How could you legislate in our generation any kind of new tefillah? Who are we to, to, to uh, make any kind of ruling? Rabbi Yasha responded, this is very correct and important. Let's follow in the paradigm of the earlier generations who in, in the year um, 1096, Tatnu, in the year of the Crusades, they composed uh, kinas for the Crusades for the destruction of uh, the Rhineland. And therefore, says Rabbi Yashav, it's an excellent idea that Klai Yisrael should say a kina to commemorate the Holocaust. However, Rabbi Yashav says, it's going to be very unlikely that one rabbi will compose a kina and every single kahila will say that kina. So each shul and each kahila should say the kina that works for them, that resonates with them, that's meaningful to them. And we'll all say that kinah until the great day that the Tzayim HaChamishi, that the fast of Tishabav is transformed into a Yom Tif for Klai Yisrael. That was the view of Rebbe Yashif. Shema? Bad idea. Monument for the Holocaust? Bad idea. Kinah for the Holocaust? Good idea. Does that seem consistent? So, Rav Shach was very unhappy with this ruling. And by the Levaya of the stipler, Rav Chaim Berman said over, um, Rav Chaim Berman said to Rabbi Yashav's son, you know, Rav Shach is fuming. And it's, it's very possible at the Levaya today, at the stipler's Levaya, that's what he's going to talk about. More than the stipler, he's going to talk about how the destruction of the Jewish people is these uh, Rabbanim who are instituting a kinna to say about the Holocaust. And I don't know, I think Rabbi Shach is going to hold himself back cause, because your father, Rabbi Yashiv, you know, endorsed it. But I don't know how much longer Rabbi Shach is going to hold it in. And sure enough, at the Levi of the stipler, Rabbi Shach didn't say anything. However, seven days later, they had a Yom Hazikarain for the stipler and Panovich. And Rav Shach got up to the podium, to the bima, and he says, I am compelled to publicly speak out against what's taking place. Jews are making new takanois and new tefillahs. You know what I have to say, Rav Shach? Oi! And then Rav Shach added another word. Oi! This is the destruction of the Jewish people. Today they're going to institute a kina. Tomorrow, you know, a prayer group. And the next day, it's all over. We're not able to enact anything. We can only follow what our forefathers did. We can't even add one letter. I, Gedoylem, and Rabbanim agree. They're all wrong. 
Did Ayasha give a reason why? Okay, so let's see. We don't have the power to do it. Now. No, no, why he, he said it was okay. Well, I can't. Yeah. A little while later, Rabbi Yashiv's son, the Rabbi Yashiv's grandson, visited Rabbi Shach. Um, Rabbi Yashiv sent his grandson to visit Rabbi Shach, and Rabbi Yashiv's grandson was asked to show Rabbi Shach the letter Rabbi Yashiv wrote to the Kalva Rebbe. As if to say to Rabbi Shach, my Zayda, he's not a new vogue innovator. Look, the Admir of Kalev, he just wanted to establish the recitation of Shema Yisrael. What could be more harmless than saying Shema Yisrael after that? And that, Rabbi Yashiv said, is not allowed. So obviously, Maizid Rabbi Yashiv is also a vanguard of Jewish tradition. But this he allowed. So, the question is, you know, like, so what's the difference? Um, so says Rabbi Yashiv's grandson, my Zayda agrees with you, Rabbi Shach, that we're not able to innovate. However, my Zayda's psak was based on a very excellent precedent. And the precedent is as follows. What's the first thing we do every morning when we wake up? Even before we wash Negevasa, we say, Moida'ani lefanecha. We say, Moida'ani lefanecha. By the way, you know that women don't say Moida Ani Lefanecha? Women say Moida Ani Lefanecha. Moida is Lashon Nekeva. Moida is Lashon Zachar. So tell your wife, don't say Moida Ani. Why I shouldn't say Moida? No, say Moida Ani. Who wrote Moida Ani? Do you know that Moida Ani is a very recent tefillah? It was written by a student of the Arizal named Rav Moshe ben Yehuda Machir. He wrote a sefer called Seder Hayoim. I had the zuchus. We were driving in the north, and my wife says, "What's what's that kaver over there?" And I said, "What?" And I see the seder hayoyim. So we stopped the bus. I had a bus. I was speaking on a trip to the north. This wasn't one of the planned crime. We stopped the bus. We all got out, and beautiful kaver coming out of his kaver is a, a spring of mayim chayim. So I said, "You know, the author of Ma'ida'ani has unlimited negelvaser at all times, you know, but." In any event, he writes, what should you do on Tisha B'Av? How long ago was that in Tisha About 400 years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah, very recent, as in terms of tefillah. So till then, nobody said anything when they were... No. They said, um, it's very cold in here. No, I don't... And then, uh, this this is the tefillah Maida'ani. Now, the Seder Hayyam writes, what should you do on Tisha B'Av? After you eat the Suda Hamafsakas, you look at number eight, you sit on the ground like a mourner. You take off your shoes. You accept the fast. You accept the avelas. You go to the base HaKnesas. You sit in by the mourners. Or you, you, um, you change your seat to a more degrading spot. And you sit silent. You read kinos. Or things that awaken sorrow. And you cry over the Chorm Beis HaMikdash. And you cry over the, the, the slaying of many chachamim and chasidim and children. And those who know how to wail should wail. Hayodeh lamar kinnos yukain. If you know how to say kinnos, lament. What kind of kinnos? Bein ksuvais al sefer, whether they're written in a book, bein me'elav, or what you wrote yourself, 
kefichach masai, ashenazna kemekirbai. So say kinos that are either legislated or that you wrote. There's a mitzvah for every individual to compose kinnis. And to say it on this bitter day. It will be considered a righteousness to him. You'll be considered from the mourners of Jerusalem. And if you're not capable of writing kinnis, so say in the art scroll. And the art school already has 45 kinnas. But that's for people who don't know how to write their own kinnas. You know how to write your own kinnas? Go for it. It's a mitzvah to do it. So says Rebbe Yashav, I'm not innovating by saying that it's alright to, ha- to sit, recite kinnas that were composed by Rabbi Shimon Schwab and the Baba Vareba and Rabbi Vazner. The Seder Ayoyim 400 years ago already wrote that it's a mitzvah for every individual to, to write kinnas. Shema, you, we cannot... Innovate. We cannot add to the Seder of Tefillah. But kinnis we already have from many hundreds of years ago that this is an admirable thing to do. What? No, so Rabbi Yashav is invoking this. You mean is Rabbi Shach against Maidani? Yeah. No. No, so this was... Plus, by the way, there's an interesting Rashi in Divrei Hayamim that when Yoshio HaMelech, remember Yoshio HaMelech was the king who inspired a, a, a nationwide tshuva movement. He grew up, and at a young age, he came to believe in the Torah. And then, um, unfortunately, he was slain in war. Um, Paro Nechoy shot his body with 300 arrows. And they made a takana, Rashi says, that any time there is a difficulty for the Jewish people, that we should, any, any tragedy that we lament, along with it, we lament the tragedy of the death of Yoshio HaMelech. And says that Rashi, similar to what we do on Tishabav, that we mention the kinos for those who perished during the Crusades, along with the other tragedies of Tishabav. So similar to that, whenever we have tragedy, we mention the tragedy of Yoshio HaMelech. So again, from here we see that when it comes to kinos, it's given to us that we could add tragedies that are personal to us. Did Rav Shach respond? And Rav Shach, when he heard the Seder Hayoim, that everyone should compose their own kinnis, he was silent. So Rabbi Yashu's grandson is walking down the steps. All of a sudden, in front of the window, Rav Shach calls, Come back! Come back! So they told Rabbi Yashu's grandson that the Rav Shach wants you back. So he came running back. And Rav Shach said that when the Seder Hayyim said that everyone should compose their own kinah, what that means is everyone should compose their own kinah and everyone should say it to themselves. But not to legislate that this is everyone. We're now going to recite, you know, Yankel Beryl's uh, nursery rhyme kinah that he wrote, you know, in second grade. So says Rav, uh, says Rav Shach. I know the Seder Hayyam says everyone should compose their own kinnah. But he never says we should legislate that kinnah. So how could Rebbe Yashav say that everyone should say a kinnah for the Holocaust? And Rebbe Yashav's grandson said, My Zayda never said that every shul should say the same kinnah. Rebbe Yashav didn't say, everyone has to say 
Reb Shimon Schwab's kinah. Everyone has to say Reb Michal Ber Weissmandel's kinah. Every kahila could do what they want. And Reb Shach says, I hear. So it seems like they came to some kind of consensus that you can have it that, okay, first we're going to say the kinah that was written by then we're going to say the kinna written by the Rishonim. Then we're going to say from Yehuda Levi. And then kinna number 46 is Rabbi Shimon Schwab. And kinna number 47 is Rabbi Michal Ber Weissmandel. No. It's Rabbi Yashiv is saying that it's appropriate to mourn the Holocaust on Tishabav. And each kehila should pick a kinna that's that works for them. But there's no uniform. That's why in, uh, in our shul, it depends on the year. Some years we'll say the Bab of Rebbe, sometimes Rami Chalber Weissmandel. There have been times we've said both. There have been times we're running late. I'll just speak about the Holocaust and we can't. But, you know, we, there's no policy. It's not a said policy. That's the only thing. So, it comes out, and, and what we're learning is that there's a certain sensitivity that uh, the Paiskim have, specifically to the weakness of our generation. That like uh, the Chazonish says, for our generation, the operating principle is silence. And even to institute that every shul should say Shema, you saw what could be wrong with saying Shema, it's not correct. And even a great personality like Tava Rebbe, you know, perhaps felt that it was okay, but no, halachically, it is not endorsed. And even to make a monument for the Holocaust, even though we can't say it's prohibited according to letter of the law, but it's according to Das Torah, Ein Ruach better to do something that the living benefit from. By the way, so you say, but many shuls have a Holocaust memorial. Yeah? So I said, yeah, because that's something the living benefit from. Why? Because the guy who donated it gave $100,000 for the metal slab that cost $400. So that went to build the shul. So the living benefited from it, right? But, but conceptually, it seems like Rebbe Yashiv is of the opinion, monuments are not really a Jewish thing, you know? We're not going to protest, it's not prohibited, but it's not a fundamentally. But even to go as so far as to say, like, who would have imagined, what could possibly be lacking in reciting a kinna for the Holocaust? Rebbe Shach did not go for it, Right? And uh, even Rabbi Yashiv, who allowed it, but it's only allowed in the context of every kahila should say something that's, uh, that resonates with them, but not to legislate that everyone has to say one specific kina. But um, friends, the idea that in our generation we're not able to legislate, this is all part of the Chorban of how weak and how small that we've become. One of the reasons the Chazoynish was not in favor of any added tefillahs, is he felt it was insulting to earlier generations who the composers of the tefillah were men of uh, divine inspiration, people had Ruch HaKodesh, people had prophecy, who they recognized how each word effectuates in the heavens, and what, now in our generation we're just going like, to have an eloquent writer write something up and, and we're going to stick it, we're going to stick in basically a amateur prayer in middle of uh, these prayers that literally shake the heavens. It's sort of 
insulting and it shows a lack of appreciation for the power of our regular tefillahs. But be it as it may, this was the, the thinking process of Rebel Yashiv, that there's, there's certain things that are not usur me'ikar hadin, but nevertheless, what we learn, a few very important principles, it's not enough to say that something is usur. In other words, not, not only something which goes against halacha is prohibited, even something that has no basis in chazal is not allowed to be instituted. Like saying the Shema, like making a monument. However, when it comes to the Kinnas Antishvav, since there's precedent, based on the fact that the Seder Hayom already writes that each person should compose their own tefillah, there's basis for each kehila to do something according to what, what works for that particular kehila. Uh, we should all be zaycha to the return of Hashiva uh, Sheftenu Kvarishayna, the return of all the great leaders of the Jewish people who were capable of making real legislation. And Bezos Hashem, with the coming of Mashiach, we won't have to say any of the kinos, and we should only have Simcha and Mesuras Taivais Lanu Ulchal Yisrael. Amen. Yeah. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.